Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Russell Life Radio. This is episode 134, our weekend review. And uh, yes, I'm not Matt Sin. Don't sound anything like him. Uh, I'm back. Thank God. Thank God. (laughs) If you uh, didn't catch our uh, review of uh, Clash of Champions, almost a Night of Champions, uh, I came back for that show after a, uh, Mike, I don't know if you listened, but I I told the viewing audience that I, I was away uh, I was detoxing from WWE. I was in a uh, like a halfway house for WWE fans. <laughs> Did you um, get the shakes and the shivers and some withdrawals? Or a little bit, but uh, I was there with my my buddies. There was like thirty of us. We all drank mimosas. It was great. But uh, sadly, a bit of a mimosa mayhem. <laughs> sadly, I've relapsed and had to live through that. Well, the pay per view is good, but Monday Night Raw is pretty much back to normal. But we'll get into you that a little you later. Didn't, you didn't enjoy the Tele Nuvo? episode of Monday Night Raw? No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll get into Raw a little bit later. Uh, and obviously, we're also going to touch on AEW Dynamite this week. Um, SmackDown, we briefly covered before the pay-per-view. So, uh, But first, there's a new story that just came out before, uh, really just before the show. But I wanted to touch on it because I just could not believe what I was reading. In uh, the biggest heel move... That I could think of in wrestling history, Joey Ryan is back in the news. Oh and, boy! Uh, <laughs> you might be saying, I mean, did, did he come out and make amends for his his sins? Did he? Well, yeah, he's he's uh, he's all about that Jesus life now. So surely he asked for forgiveness, right? <laughs> he's asking for something, just not forgiveness. Uh, the headline is Joey Ryan files fifteen million dollar plus oh, no. lawsuit against his three speaking out accusers. <laughs> oh boy uh he's seeking 15 million dollars in damages i'll just read this break down this list uh first reported by heel by nature who i don't know who that is but joey ryan is claiming losses in uh revenue ranging of eight to ten thousand dollars in monthly wrestling bookings one thousand dollars plus in twitch revenue 500 in monthly cameo reviews three thousand in monthly patreon review one thousand in monthly merchandise 3500 in monthly revenue for bar wrestling. And he is also claiming he lost social media followers. followers. Uh, just baffling. You know, these all th- sound like things that happen when you sexually assault people. Yeah. And you get fired. <laughs> all this but, tells me is that he's making entirely too much money. Yeah, he's making a good bit of money, apparently. And uh, not saving any of it, I guess. But... Um, from the three women, he's asking $200,000 each for economic damages and uh, $5 million from each in non-economic damages and punitive damages of $10 million due to malice. This quote, malice, hatred, ill will, and despicable and, and intentional acts. Um, he's also asking for a permanent injunction against the three of them for making defam- uh, defamatory statements. Um, basically claiming they were all false accusations that caused him to lose his job, his social media, basically ruined his life. If they were false allegations, I would agree that it did ruin his life and it is a terrible thing. However, it is not leading me to believe that. It appears as if he is actually a scumbag. So, and case, uh, it's not all- suing his, his victims. Yeah, and it's not just three people who have accused him, so that's funny. Yeah, it's like was like seventeen people or something like that. Yeah, that was a bunch of people. 
So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens with it. But I just could not believe it. I was just like, yeah, he's definitely never going back to wrestling now. Like he's, I mean, it would have been a hard sell anyway. Cause I mean, I mean, is he going to come back as plain Joey Ryan? I mean, his, his whole gimmick was basically he was a sleaze ball, and that's not going to play anymore. Well, then you so, know what they say about gimmicks. It's your real personality turned up to 11. It's true. It actually, it might not have been turned I mean, up enough. I but... say, te- technically, <laughs> his gimmick may have been turned down to 8 or, or eight or 8 or 9. Ooh. Yeah, so just not a, not a good look for Mr. Joey Ryan, but he's, he's trying, I guess. But, yeah. He, he, just go back to school, dude, and figure something else out. But or go to prison, you know. Yeah, you could do that. So, plus, it's just not. If you think about it, it's not just him asking for money. It's you know these three accusers' lives uh, that he's dragging them into all of this, and yeah, just not a good thing for anybody. And uh, I mean, if it is true and they they were victims, like. It's just, you know, make it, making their lives even miserable as a result of this guy. So just no fun for anybody, but. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, a terrible, terrible thing to do. Yeah. But so, as we tend to have learned, it seems like he's a pretty bad person. Yeah. So, but in lighter news, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get away from that type of thing. It's not, a, not a great story, but I just, I just had a, I just couldn't believe it when I read it, but. We just um, had to put him on blast here. Let yeah. Let's know what we think. <laughs> Because it's pretty ridiculous, but in lighter news, let's let's get into AEW this week. That's right, boom! Let's go ignite <laughs> Saturday night. No, uh, <laughs> so we open up the show with Miro's debut. Oh boy! AEW. And everybody loves Miro. It's Miro Day. Obviously, it's a great day for a debut. Uh, we've got Miro and Kip Sabian versus the resident jobber tag team. Joey Ryan and Sonny Kiss. They're kind of like, I don't know, Joey, Joey Janela, especially Joey, you Joey Ryan. I just said Joey Ryan. I caught it. Joey I caught Ryan. it. I got it. Yeah. You got him on my brain. Uh, Joey Janela, very different than Joey Ryan. Uh, but it feels like Joey Janela is kind of like AEW's Dolph Ziggler. Like, yeah, he's like booked as a mid card guy, but he's like their mid card jobber guy. Um, they, they are both bad boys and wear like eighties clothing. Yeah. They, they have beautiful hair. Beautiful. Hair. True. Uh, but yeah, uh, I've obviously never been a huge fan of Joey Janela. This match did not change my opinion. <laughs> I thought this match was borderline bad. I mean, yeah. it was full of just miscues and botches and just like, it was okay at best. I thought that, I don't know, because it's like, I don't know if they're trying to build some suspense for Miro or whatever, but it actually, he, he was like, like he didn't want to tag in. And when he did, he didn't really do much. Like, he came off pretty strong, but he didn't really do a whole lot. So I think it was a pretty poor debut for such a big name coming into the company. Um, I thought the Sonny Kiss looked great at times. And and his match against Cody, I thought was fantastic. But mm-hmm. I'm super impressed with him and Joey as a tag team. Uh, maybe it's Joey bringing it down. I don't know. But yeah. A little bit, I think. <clears throat> the match ended with Miro hitting Sonny Kiss with the Machka kick and submitting him with the accolade. So Miro was able to pick up the win here on his debut, but just just wasn't wasn't a great match. I just really didn't like it that much. Did you catch any of it? I did, and um, 
the, he's renamed the accolade the game over also because he's he's going wow. headstrong into this gamer thing okay um yeah, it's like he found a new hobby all of a sudden, and now he's just like full blown gamer. I'll make it's... that. I'll make that note and immediately forget it. <laughs> I was actually on Twitch. Sure, remind you about a hundred times. I, I was on Twitch earlier today, and I saw that he was live streaming. And the way they're putting it, I thought he was pretty big on Twitch, but he only had like a hundred concurrent viewers, which is not much. Yeah, um, he, he he probably thinks it's a lot, but yeah, he's uh, did this did not do him any favors. I, I watched a little bit of it and. Uh, I would have rather they just hold off him debuting until he had the wedding segment. Cause I mean, wedding segments are always pretty good in wrestling and that probably would have, you know, he could have got some vignettes in and, you know, ha- had some stuff going on with Kip Sabian to further drive. They actually know each other, but uh, they, I guess they felt like that would happen in match form. And mm-hmm. unfortunately it was against Joey Janela and Sonny kiss, but I think Joe, I think Sonny kiss is great. Um, I think he should kind of, uh, not to pull a WWE, but I think they should probably move away eventually from this tag team because, yeah, I agree. Joey Janelle is not really doing any favors for Sonny Kiss. And um, I think he's talented because he, he's he worked great with Cody and he's very athletic. So I think yeah. he could be something on his own. I feel like I've said this before. Do you know that the Bucks, when they signed Joey Janela, had never watched him wrestle? Not once. Really? And that I think that kind of explains why he maybe got the job. Maybe the, I think the dogs agree with me. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, do they watch Luther wrestle? Man, did Luther had a promo on on AEW's Facebook page for Dark this week? He's just uh, it's like it's like Gangrel mixed with I don't even know like your local local guy who wrestles for like a dollar hot dog down at your local show and basically just lariats and maybe maybe runs the ropes occasionally when he's not running out of breath that's that's luther for me but uh yeah anyways we won't we won't diverge too much yeah let's uh, not talk too much about luther i don't i don't want to <laughs> devote any more time to luther than we have to yes but as we did here this week unfortunately lance archer has been diagnosed with coronavirus so they mm-hmm. obviously had to nix the match that i was very much looking forward to but instead it looks like we're getting another match that I am very much looking forward to because out comes Eddie Kingston. He comes out challenging John Moxley for the AEW title because he was in fact never eliminated from the battle Royale at all out because he went through the middle rope. Remember? And uh, right. he cuts a, a really good promo as, as no surprise on John Moxley. Uh, he claims that John Moxley is a sellout that he left the world of indie wrestling to become a sports entertainer. And uh, he obviously, uh, Kingston obviously never did. He stayed here for 18 years and he's never gotten a chance like this. So he's calling Moxley out tonight and he's going to have his match. And as far as on the fly storytelling goes, I mean, they literally knew like a couple days ahead of time. I think they did a really good job here. I mean, they already had the situation with Kingston Brewing, so they already kind of had it in place. But I mean, as far as an audible goes, I think this is a really good decision. Yeah, and I was kind of wondering. They've they've for the last couple of weeks, Kingston's come out and mentioned that he was never eliminated, and they didn't really seem to play it into, you know, the the match. I figured they might even make it a triple threat or something, or acknowledge it and you know at least give Kingston a match against Moxley as a warm up for Archer or Archer versus Kingston or something. But yeah, Kingston so- had mentioned it a couple of time in promos, but I haven't seen anything else going into it. I was hoping for a triple threat match, but. 
it didn't look like that's the way they were going, to be honest. Yeah, it didn't really look like they were going to pay much attention to it, which I was kind of surprised about. But this, hey, it worked out. So um, yeah, Kingston mentioning it and all those promos paid off because it worked right into this. So yeah, for sure. Uh, after that, we had Hangman Adam Page versus Evil Uno of the Dark Order. It's a good uh, match. Kenny Omega, yeah, very good match, is of course back on commentary, and Hangman is out here to impress us again in yet another singles bout. Uh, apparently, Kenny mentions that this match was offered to him, but he declined it, and he also requested that he and Hangman be removed from the tag team rankings. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's funny, Kenny Omega's the one jawing about being a singles guy, and Hangman's the one just trying to keep them together. But uh, Hangman's the one out here winning singles matches, and Kenny's on commentary. Yep. So I definitely feel like they're leading to something with this, and uh, I, I'm all for it. I, I'm oh, yeah. waiting for that to blow up. Uh, very, very slow burn. And just, you know, just, as far as I'm concerned, just draw this storyline out as far as you can, because whenever it's over, I'm going to be so sad, because this is the best storyline in wrestling in, in a very long time. Honestly, my, my favorite storyline of all time. Although I'm not quite as invested in wrestling history as some of the other uh, more elder statesmen of the podcast, such as Matt. Uh, he's been around for years and years and years watching wrestling. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah this is a good way, too, of having Hangman competing in these matches. It's showcasing him like always. He's great. and But yeah. it's, it's getting Omega out there, and it's still involved in this in some way where they're not having matches every week. And uh, I'll get into a little bit of that when we talk to, on Monday Night Raw because mm-hmm. they're not doing it the same way. But nope. I, I love how AEW does it when they've got a feud like this. They don't bash these guys together and make them wrestle a hundred times before they actually have their the match. So I love how they are incorporating Kenning into this, where he's kind of refusing not to work. And yeah, then it's making him come off like a cowardly heel, pretty much. Yeah, basically. To me, he's yeah. he's bad mouthing his friend while on commentary, and meanwhile avoiding singles competition while saying he's a singles competitor. Yeah. So it's that a uh, slow heel burn I think they're doing, and he's coming out. You know, he's being a face, but. Uh, he is being a bad friend for sure. Uh, they did they did try to make it a uh, few times throughout the match, make it seem like Rick Knox is on the Dark Order's like payroll or something, because uh, Uno has the thing where he hands his opponent's leg to the referee and then he stuns them or whatever it is he does. And uh, Hangman tried the same thing and Rick Knox dropped his leg, so they're pointing out that Rick Knox is maybe in the Dark Order's uh, pocket. I don't know. Huh. I, I don't I don't want that to happen. I mean, maybe work it into a BTE bit or something and leave it at that. But I don't know if I want referees being too involved. And in- yeah, they did that back in the day with Nick Patrick and the NWO and WCW, yeah. and it just never it, it it always took out of the matches. There he, there would be like a match, and the ref would like he'd do like his weird slow count, or he'd like like ignore stuff and they would just point out that he was an evil referee and it just it just never worked so i wouldn't yeah. like to see it here either not a huge fan of that and maybe uh, tony Khan is because he's such a mark for old wcw so maybe that's it's true i mean <laughs> who, who we'll, knows? Probably, we'll probably see sue on a forklift like we said before it's over with oh, Lord. uh but hangman did manage to win the bout with a buckshot lariat uh and uh no celebration from kenny kenny just immediately leaves uh, Hangman does his thing and leaves the ring. No uh, big to do this week after the match. Just a just a singles victory, and it seems like this is the new normal for him. Yep. Uh, after that, Tony Schiavone is at the Young Bucks' door for an interview. He knocks on the door and flinches a little bit because Matt opens it like super quickly and violently. <laughs> uh, as it's kind of uh, harkening back to when he super kicked Alex Marvez, 
uh, Matt comes out and he attacks, I'm sorry, he apologizes for attacking Alex Marvez. And he refers to uh, Mike Posey as that jockey looking ref. Uh, he says they've lost title opportunities and more importantly, relationships with friends they thought they would have forever. But uh, him and Nick agree that they will be doing better soon. Uh, Tony asks Matt about FTR, but he refuses to answer anything about him. He does not have any of it. He asks about FTR again, but uh, Matt asks him if he has his phone on him. And Tony's like, yeah, but we're on, we're on live TV, man. We're, we're, he's like, I don't know, just hand me your phone. He takes it and slams it against the wall, destroying it. It looks like a, a pretty new iPhone, just, just demolished. Uh, Matt's immediately says, you know what? I, I feel terrible about that. Here, here, take, take your phone. Here's a little bit of money. Go, go get an upgrade. You're just go get an upgrade. Actually, you know what? He just throws the money on the floor. So heel bucks are in full swing. Now I'm for it on BTE this week. Matt Jackson destroyed Brandon Cutler's laptop. So they're in some inanimate object, uh, destruction, I guess here lately. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want to get some heel heat pick on Tony Schiavone, I just don't. Uh, he's, he's I don't favorite. understand why they're going heel. Like I'm fine with Kenny going heel, but I just if they're planning on building to an FTR match in the future, I don't know how this is getting there. You can have a heel versus heel match. Uh, Two heels that hate each other. Mm, Stranger things have happened. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. But I'm not too sure about it myself. And not only that, they'd be heels on the opposite side of the spectrums. You know, Matt and Nick Jackson are the heels that are out in the open about being heels. They're super kicking people. They're being jerks They're destroying for sure. Property. They're being outright <laughs> jerks. While FTR are playing feign good guys, while actually being heels. So, hmm. I, I I think it could work. We'll see how it goes. They yeah. they haven't disappointed with a major storyline yet. So, we'll see. But uh, after that, we had the TNT Championship match which I believe was originally the main event, but because of our upcoming world championship match, it was brought early, lower into the card. It got bumped. And that's fine uh, because we have Brody Lee versus Orange Cassidy. This match is like a real mismatch for me. You know, it not just like in wrestling styles, but in like characters, having Brody Lee versus Orange Cassidy, really weird. Didn't love this match, if I'm being honest. It was pr- like, it was a pretty good match, but I don't know. It was, it was fun. It just didn't really work for me. There was no buildup. I understand Orange Cassidy beat Chris Jericho, so he's higher in the ranking, so he gets a shot. So if you're going to play it like that, that's fine. There are some pretty cool character moments with the Dark Order. Uh, Alex Silver stomping on Orange Cassidy's denim jacket. Orange Cassidy drops his shirt over Alex Silver's head. Uh, Anna Jay comes up on the apron, and Orange Cassidy puts his shades on her. Brody Lee gets upset, smashes the shades, or throws them in the audience or something. So they got some character work in here, which is cool. Uh, some some of that BTE Dark Order humor, which I'm I'm fine with. Little you know, slowly fading it over. But uh, yeah, I'm not gonna go over this match too much because there's some stuff that happened afterwards. But still, your TNT champ Brody Lee wins via the spinning lariat as he does. Did you catch any of this match, Kyle? I did not, uh, but I, I kind of read about it a little bit and. If they're going to do it, I kind of agree. It's it's a weird pairing of these two. Uh, I would almost rather have seen BTE Brody Lee uh, like in full gear versus uh, Orange yeah. Cassidy because that would have just been a straight-up comedy match, but it's fine. Um, but yeah, uh, tell us about what happened afterwards because that's the real yeah. newsworthy part of this. After the match, the lights go out as Brody Lee is celebrating. 
and you start to hear the Halo theme song, basically the <laughs> the the choir singing in the background. Fog hits because His Holiness be, is coming, and you may be thinking, "Man, this is really over the top." That must be Cody Rhodes, <laughs> and then you hear Adrenaline Balada, Cody Rhodes. Uh, or whatever his music says, <laughs> as they said on the BTE. This is a BTE skit from this week, by the way, in case you didn't yeah. know. Uh, there's a new there's new lyrics to Cody Rhodes' theme song. Uh, the dogs are very excited about it. But uh, yeah, watch BTE if you haven't. But yeah, do you, you see a fog of smoke, and out comes Cody Rhodes. And it appears as in the five weeks that he's been gone, or four weeks, however many it's been, he was bitten by a vampire. Because he's back. And he's back in black. He's wearing all black. He's got the blackest of black hair. Uh, he looks kind of like Creed from The Office when he put printer ink in his hair. <laughs> um, but yeah, he comes out. He destroys everyone in the Dark Order. Brody Lee is retreating. He runs away. Cody comes out on top. Uh, I will say the vampire uh, appearance does make his neck tattoo look a little less ridiculous because the rest of him looks a little bit more ridiculous. But uh, I don't know, like, I'm fine with, like, natural brown hair Cody Rhodes. I think that's a better look for him, especially as a face. But this is, like, black hair. Like, he went to his local Halloween store, got the spray-in stuff, just just full-on dark hair. I, I, it, maybe it'll fade in a couple weeks and look better. I don't know. I, I'm okay with him changing up his look to come back. Some people are saying it's because he's coming back as a heel. I don't know how that's going to work with the storyline. But we will see. Did you see this return? How did you feel about it, Kyle? Uh, I'm going to never be able to unsee uh, <laughs> Young Creed <laughs> now that I see Cody Rhodes. And it's it's just hilarious. But, uh, yeah, I saw this. Um, I'm fine with it. It, it. I did instantly think, like, uh, yeah, it's Vampire Cody. Like, he comes out in all black. Uh, I mean, he, he's had dark hair before, obviously, before he bleached a blonde. Blonde is not his natural co- hair color, but yeah, it looked like he took it in the complete opposite direction. So now he is, I, I don't know, is, did he join the Dark Order or something? Like, why is he, I don't, I don't know, but it was it was a sight. So um, yeah, so Cody's back. So it'll be interesting to see what, what he is now. Is, like, is he going to be just like a different character or what's going on? Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, I will say that, Kyle, you are a graphics guy. I'm hereby, in front of everyone here, formally requesting that you Photoshop Cody's neck tattoo onto that photo of Creed Bratton. Uh, My head was spinning already. (laughs) That's going to be our new cover photo on Wrestle Life Radio here in about probably like three hours. So (laughs) stay tuned for that. But yeah, uh, you get a really good backstage promo by Brody Lee. He is full on crazy Brody. He's freaking out. He's saying that Cody's been gone for five weeks while he's been out here working, doing the work that needs to be done. He says, what kind of man ask another man to do his work for him, referring to Dustin. And he asked if he saw what he did to Dustin and what Anna Jay did to Brandy. Uh, Sorry. Uh, Brody Lee asked Cody, what kind of man allows his wife to post Instagram thirst traps? And I popped so hard for this line because let's be (laughs) honest, we've seen Brandy's uh, Instagram. We know what it's all about. Not only that, she called Brody daddy. So what kind of man are you, Cody? I don't know. Hmm. He says that Cody is a coward and that sooner or later he will cut him down again. Uh, he quoted a Johnny Cash song. Uh, he then grabs a dog collar that he had nearby for some reason and said he's going to wrap it around Cody's neck 
and he gives him one week to answer him, asking if he is a man or a coward. So I guess we're getting a dog collar match. And I mean, I hated the idea of a strap match between The Fiend and Daniel Bryan. And I really ended up liking that match. And I know this is kind of like an old school throwback thing, like we mentioned. Uh, but that this sounds dumb. It just sounds real dumb. It sounds contrived a little bit. It's, it's like they're forcing it in there. And it's if they would have had a reason, I don't know if like Cody had come out with a dog collar on or something or like. Oh, my God. He would have like, went full <laughs> on like emo, like my chemical romance. If you came out with a dog collar. Sure. But uh, it's it's just kind of. Yeah. Brody Lee just like has a dog collar. Like he's just been waiting for Cody to come back so he could. Uh, yeah. It's just a little a little forced. But. Uh, like you said, it could be a good match. Yeah, maybe so. We will see. I've been surprised before. Uh, after this, we have Matt Hardy and Private Party. The Hardy Party making their way to the ring. Matt is coming out to address the attack on him. He gets a giant pop and a happy birthday chant, which he said made his day. It made my day, too. Glad to see him getting the love he deserves after almost killing himself a few weeks ago. <laughs> it's uh, great to see he lived to see this birthday. Yeah, for real. Uh, he said he'd been trying to figure out who's had the motivation to attack him in such a cowardly fashion. Someone from the crowd screams, Jeff. Um, no, that's that's wrong. Uh, he says that he got in a heated argument backstage with both MJF and Brody Lee recently and uh, says that everyone obviously knows his storied history with the inner circle. Uh, he says that whoever attacked him was wearing a mask or some sort of face covering, and he knows that it was with a pipe or a bat. He mentioned that obviously Jericho and Hager were walking around with a bat. So obviously Jericho is the prime suspect. Uh, he mentions how Private Party tore the house down last week. And let's be honest, I mean, don't get don't get ahead of yourself. <laughs> and how they were this close to beating Jericho and Hager. Eh, we'll see. And the only reason they won is because Jericho hit Isaiah Cassidy over the back with a bat. Did you watch that match? I didn't love that match. Um he like just like brushed Isaiah Cassidy over the back with the bat and that caused him to lose. I don't know. That's kind of dumb. Like I understand you can't just like hit people over the head with a bat anymore. That's, you know, dangerous air quotes, but uh, I don't know. It just looks kind of dumb when they hit people over the back with the bat and it like knocks them out. Yeah. It's not, it's not how, not how things work. <laughs> uh, Matt has a little bit of botch during the promo as you know, I tend to do sometimes. And uh, he says, that Jericho will always be known as an a-hole. So Jericho comes out with the inner circle to respond. Everybody except for Sammy, of course, because he's still injured. He comes out and he says the inner circle are still down a man because of what Matt did to Sammy. And Jericho says no one knows when Sammy will come back. Actually, no, he lied. And Sammy walks out. He comes out, he hugs Jericho. They get the little shot. You know, got to give the people what they want. Uh, Jericho says that he is a son of a gun. But if he were going to take Matt out with a bat, he would do it face-to-face so that Matt could see the happiness in his eyes as he did it. Uh, Matt says he didn't do it last week, uh, but he will do it this week. Matt says if he didn't do it last week. Hold on, my notes are all messed up. He says that (laughs) even though he didn't do it last week, he will come out tonight and give him a bat to the head if he would like. Matt says he'll fight at any time, even though he literally hobbled to the ring. Mark Quinn cuts him off, tells him basically he needs to take his time, get cleared because they need him. Mark Quinn says that he laid Jericho out last week. And then Cassidy butts in and says, you know, he appreciates Matt and Quinn having his back last week. But, you know, tonight he's this is his night. 
or uh, I, or Orange Cassidy, Isaiah Cassidy challenges Chris Jericho to face him. And uh, Cassidy says he knows that Jericho is a legend, but what if some 23-year-old kid from Brooklyn beat Jericho on Dynamite? Now, this whole this whole thing is like, Orange Cassidy a few weeks ago said, what if some guy with his hands in his pockets beats you? This is another Cassidy saying, what if some 23-year-old kid from Brooklyn beats you? I don't whole know. Cassidy family going after Le Champion. I guess so. I mean, he's defending his brother, Orange. Um <laughs> Yeah, he says that next week he's going to make Jericho his Le Champion B-word, uh, which was a dumb line. It's just a really bad line. This whole segment was really messy. I'm a little excited to see the matchup next week, but this segment was just kind of bad, honestly. Uh, Isaiah Cassidy and, and Mark Quinn are like in their early 20s, so I'm going to cut them some slack for sure. But I don't know. It's probably my least favorite Jericho segment in, for quite some time. But uh, after that, we have Tony Schiavone in the ring interviewing FTR and Tully Blanchard. Tully says there are thousands of new fans watching every week. And so he's changed the rules to make the tag team title matches instead of 60 minutes. When they're on TV, they're now 20 minutes. Why can he do this? Can just anyone change the rules? I don't know. I guess his name is Tully Khan. I don't know. It's kind of dumb. <laughs> Uh, he announces that next week he's going. They will defend. FTR will defend against SCU, and Tully has also changed the rules even further, saying that if the time limit of twenty minutes is reached, then FTR by default wins. I mean, I guess this is a good idea for like booking decisions, but this is really dumb. Saying Tully can just change the rules however he wants. Like they didn't have like a lawyer present or Tony Khan or the Elite or anybody. Tully's just like, nope, these are the rules now. Uh, Maybe you got a uh, MJF's lawyer. I don't know. I guess sometimes stuff just happens. I don't know. Uh, Dak starts talking about their next challengers after SCU, and he calls the best friends out as backyard wrestlers, which of course brings them out. They will take no insults from FTR. Trent comes out, and he has the line of the night. He says, "Well, since you both already have your little red panties on, let's have a match right now." <laughs> I I popped so hard. My wife calls tights panties. Uh, she always points out that when wrestlers have on tights, like they're wearing panties and to hear Trent say it, I mean, just great. Just great. Uh, they set out like they're going to have the match right now, but of course we all know that can't happen because there's only like 40 minutes left or like 30 minutes left actually. And we still have two very big matches. So like the refs in there, they're getting their gear ready. And FTR's like, well, no, 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 wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, actually, uh, y'all aren't 100% yet, and I don't want y'all to have any excuses if you lose. So why don't we just wait until y'all are ready, and then we'll face you. So basically, they chicken out. Yeah. So this is a pretty cool segment, uh, honestly. It, 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 the Tully Blanchard thing is dumb. Like, I'm not going to let him get a pass for saying things just happen. Yeah. Because we give so much crap to WWE for that. Like but, the uh, like the Miz, the Miz uh, getting Mandy Rose over to Raw because he knows executives. Yeah, like this, dumb. It's yeah. dumb. I'm I'm admitting <laughs> that. However, I did really enjoy Trent calling out FTR for wearing panties, and that just makes the whole segment for me. Yeah. So we're gonna move on. If only there was a crowd there to well a bigger crowd to get a panties chant going. Oh my gosh! I would let next time <laughs> next time I'm at a show, I'm starting a panties chant. <laughs> Uh, Ivelisse and Diamante versus Thunder Rosa and Hikaru Shida. Just do it before this match. Do what? Yeah, yeah, that's for, yeah, that's the for women's sure. match. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'll be honest, 
I kind of checked out for most of this match. I just didn't think it was good. Uh, Thunder Rosa is great. Karashita is great. Diamante and Ivelisse can be great. Uh, it, but for some reason, this just match just didn't work for me. I don't know. Like, last week, there were some personal issues between Thunder Rosa and Ivelisse. I didn't see any of that this week. Um, but it just, like, the whole match seemed really thrown together, which it wasn't because they announced the match last week. They were building to it. But it just didn't work for me. Uh, the match ended with Thunder Rosa tossing Ivelisse onto the floor and Shida hitting Diamante with the flying knee for the pin. And they did win. They both held up their belts afterwards. Uh, yeah, it just it was it wasn't a very good match. It's like every time Ivelisse can have like decent matches, but I don't know what it is. Like she she has to have somebody like a Thunder Rosa to kind of get her like up to that level. Like I feel like she, her and Diamante just kind of there's almost there's only so much they could do. They like, had some good matches know, like, in the tag team tournament against some people that you wouldn't think would be great matches, but I don't it's know, like they're maybe. they're always solid, but they just can they just can never to, for me like get it to like the high level of like the where I think that they could have a great match with everybody type yeah. thing. That's true. I don't know what it is. And the same would be said about Sheeta and Rosa, and they didn't this week. You would think, but yeah, I don't know. They didn't manage to pull it out this week. Uh, after the match, Jericho comes out and accepts uh, Isaiah Cassidy's. Every time I write down Cassidy, and I think Orange, even yeah. though it's spelled with a K. Uh, Isaiah Cassidy's challenge. This is why WWE week. has different names for everybody. Yeah, for too long, he's just going to be Isaiah. <laughs> he, he, he accepts the challenge for next week. Uh, MJF walks up and says he can't believe what that little twerp said to him earlier on Dynamite. They both do a bit of blowing smoke up each other's butts as they did a few weeks ago. And then they both do the thing where it's amazing. They act like they actually watch the show and they ask each other why they both called each other losers a few weeks back. This is great. MJF says he wasn't calling Jericho a loser. No, no, no. He must've misunderstood him. He was calling his limo driver a loser. Jericho follows up with saying, Oh, he wasn't calling MJF a loser. He was calling Tony Schiavone a loser. They laughed. Tony Schiavone just standing there. Uh, <laughs> And uh, yeah, they they make. I'm sorry, actually, Dasha I think is doing this interview. He just, yeah, he's just yeah. standing there. And I wish it had been yeah, Tony. Just they 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 make fun of Tony Schiavone a little bit. And you know what? They, they they say at the end. You know what? You know what? Jericho, MJF, you're all right. You're all right. You're good. And they they walk off a little happy. And MJF Wait. and Jericho, I am all for. It is so good. So good. Oh, yeah, like and I don't know if you said, but they they at tandem basically said. They they were they came up and they were all buddy buddy together and you know for a second and they you know were talking and then like in tandem they just said so why'd you call me a loser like perfectly at the exact same time it's like They're a mirror timing. image. There's the same thing with that old uh, old spot where they uh, said Cody Rhodes together. Their timing together is so good. Oh yeah, it I is. am so looking forward to a feud between these two. It has so much potential. For, yeah, it does. And uh, yeah, so this is very entertaining, very great promo. Uh, these two are great, so it's fantastic. Yep. And uh, we then have our main event of the evening. John Moxley, who is 17-0 and 0 for the year, by the way. Just a fantastic record. A versus champion. Eddie Kingston, who is 2-1 and 1 for the year. Not a bad record. His only loss is to Cody Rhodes in his debut. Mm-hmm. Uh, this match was very good. I really enjoyed it. I love John Moxley. I love Eddie Kingston. What more can you ask for? Uh, it started out with some really good chain wrestling, which I enjoy. They delve into some ridiculous chops. I mean, Kingston immediately has a giant bruise on his back. It looked like Moxley was trying to take his shoulder out. I mean, this is for sure like 
a hardcore uh, like men's wrestling match. Like two they, they hardcore guys. Yeah, a brawl for sure. But yeah, it is a great match as you would suspect between these two. Uh, Kingston, for sure, in my opinion, has superstar level talent. I'm really glad to have him as an addition to the roster in his short amount of time. Uh, he's cut promos on BTE on so far a chocolate chip cookie and Sour Patch Kids and done a great job. So he can obviously cut a promo about anything. But yeah, you can tell these two had like a really good cohesion here in this match. I mean, it basically devolved into a chop fest there at the end. But it looked like they were genuinely trying to take each other's skin off the chest. I mean, it was crazy. Moxley was able to retain for this match with the sleeper hold. So, unfortunately, Eddie Kingston did not come up with the belt. Moxley goes on to be, I believe, 18-0 now. Insane. I think we'll probably see 20-0 before it's over with. Uh, after the match, Kingston's crew runs in. To beat down, I say Kingston's crew, it was the Lucha Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Butcher and Blade were not seen. They were at home this week. Uh, I'm not sure if one of them uh, were sick or what the deal was. Brian Cage was also out this week. He was sick. They have not announced anything about coronavirus, but he did say he was sick, so he was staying home. But uh, yeah, Will Hobbs comes out to make the save. Glad to see Will Hobbs. Not only yeah. that, Darby Allen runs in to bring the odds even closer. Uh, but... Darby Allen's music is not tailored for him to make a run in. <laughs> it's really not. Yeah, they need they need to like start in the middle of the song. Or I just I love it. Yeah, because like every time he makes a run in, like he's in the ring by the time like I mean it's five seconds in and he's your. It's like it's like the Undertaker making a run in with his theme song. Exactly. It's just he like, needs to have something like the lights going out, the dong. You know. Yeah. Um. I don't or know, or like give it like start the strumming stuff and uh, let it kind of build and let them kind of look around like oh god where is he coming from and then then he comes have out. him jump from the rafters in a yeah. skateboard. I'll Ollie from the uh, the rafters onto somebody. Yeah, uh, Ricky Starks then comes out to help Kingston, and we've now got an even matchup. I'm really glad we got to see Darby, Will Hobbs, and Ricky Starks on the show, even though obviously plans didn't go as you know anticipated. We didn't get to have the match. But it does look like next week we're getting Moxley versus an opponent of Eddie Kingston's choosing. I'm not sure how that works in kayfabe. I guess, like Tully, Kingston can just make matches as he as he wants. There are no rules here. It's a wasteland of rules here in AEW. There's no DQs, obviously. But I'll be honest, if this means we get Pentagon versus Moxley or Ray Phoenix versus Moxley, I am 100% on board. So... Looking I mean, forward to that. Like, I thought this might be building to a, a tag match with uh, like that's what I thought. Yeah, they, That'd be great. Yeah, that's what I thought. But they announced that next week's going to be Moxley versus an opponent of Kingston choosing. Yeah. So, yeah I mean, a little weird. We'll see where they go. I, I like it though. I like to see Will Hobbs out here. I think he's a great young talent. So I, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I enjoy this a lot. Yeah. I will say for sure. This wasn't AEW's best episode, but it still had some really good stuff. Uh, I think overall, if I'm being fair, I think this episode gets a B minus from me. Okay. So it's uh, it was it was a good show, but there were definitely some down points. Yeah, it's fair to say. Speaking of down points, Kyle, <laughs> do you have anything to bring to us about from Raw? <sighs> yeah, I mean we we praised Classic Champions. Uh, it, it was a decent show. Let, and let me say something real quick before we do that. I didn't okay. get to be on the Classic Champions show. Uh-huh. I think Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso was a five star match. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Some of the best storytelling 
in WWE for a long time. I really enjoyed the ladder match, and I think the booking of Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton was really dumb. That's all I'm going to say about that. I know we had a whole show about it, but I wanted to get my opinion out there because my opinion is important to me. <laughs> I mean, we could we praise it to death uh, on that show. Like, it, it was fantastic, and I'm actually looking forward to SmackDown this week because of it. Uh, but I did say on that show that I have a fear that they're going to screw it up in some way, and I also had a fear that, uh, we, I mean, like I said, they, they did a good job of not letting the crap kind of ruin the matches uh, like they have been. There, there was some of it that still kind of creeped in there, but it was kept to a minimum. I cannot say the same for Monday Night Raw, so let's get into it. Mm, let's get um, into it for sure. So we started off the show with, <laughs> I just, I just, I just couldn't believe it. Um, I mean, as we saw, AEW's booking had to change because they had a COVID outbreak and some contact tra- tracing that they're taking care of. Uh, NXT also had a big outbreak, lots of contact tracing because they, they all kind of live in the same area. They, they hang out with each other. I mean, we're not going anywhere, so I think they've probably spend around a lot of time around each other. And so there were several people out in WWE and AEW this week uh, because we have just yet another outbreak. So the, it, you never really know what can happen. You can't you know, tell with this virus. So what does WWE do? The first person they bring out on the show is 70 plus year old Ric Flair to open the show. Woo! <laughs> I, was, I, I mean, he was, he was on the class of champions he, he played a part in the Randy Orton. Uh, obviously, all the ghosts of Randy Orton's past came back, and they attacked him and helped him beat Drew McIntyre, as weird as the booking was. And then Ric Flair was there to drive away the ambulance. That's fine. Like, make a small appearance, get him in, get him out. But, like, he was on this entire show. And, I mean, granted, he didn't do a whole lot, but still, like, just having him walk out of there and, like, there's no need for it. And, and somebody else that's later in the show, we'll, we'll talk about that too. I couldn't believe it was on the show, but anyway, we have the attackers of Randy Orton all come out. The legends that appeared on a uh, class of champions the night before Ric Flair, Christian, big show and Shawn Michaels all come out. Uh, and then Shawn Michaels introduces us to raw and brings out Drew McIntyre. Um, basically they, they talk about their shared hatred of uh, Randy um, Sean basically admits to, uh, drew that they all showed up. They didn't, they didn't plan it. They, well, they didn't run him by it anyway. They, they all did it on their own accord to get back at Randy Orton and said that they hoped he didn't mind what drew said. No, actually at this point I, I beat Randy at SummerSlam. So I've proven I could beat him on my own. Um, but at this point I, I'm glad people are attacking him. I hope people attack him on the streets. Like, <laughs> Wow, that's a terrible thing to say on that yeah, television. Like, hey, he's a jerk, <laughs> I guess. So uh, he, he, Drew McIntyre's glad he got he got beaten up, even though it you know took five guys to do it. So they're all you know yucking it up, and um, Randy comes up on the, the big screen, interrupts them, and uh, basically says, uh, "I'm not done with this, uh, Drew. You're going to find out you you don't cross you and everybody else are going to find out you don't cross Randy Orton." and uh, Drew is like, oh, are you going to beg for a title match? And Randy says, I don't have to beg for anything. I'm Randy Orton. And um, he basically, like I said, tells everybody that they're going to regret it. And he like slowly turns away from the camera. Like he had like close up on his face and he just like grabbed his bag and just like wheeled it out of the building. And like, it, it, like you, he's standing by the back door basically. And just like turned on and walked out the door. It was so awkward. <laughs> so weird of like, he just cut this promo like, you're going to get it. 
and he just like turns and leaves. <laughs> and then uh, Drew McIntyre's like, okay, well, Randy Orton's left the building. And uh, so they, they're playing it in that Randy Orton has left. And so he tells uh, Rick, Big Show, uh, Shawn Michaels, and Christian, guys, we're going to party tonight. We're going to celebrate. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to submit my legacy here like all, all of you have. So go back in uh, in the the private room tonight that you've booked and partied up. I'll be back there later, but I'm issuing an open challenge to anybody. I wanted to be a fighting champion, even though I don't feel the best. And so he issues an open challenge for late for the main event of the show. So somebody that he has not faced before is what the um, the stipulation was. Well, that's so, not that's not what happened. Well. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I don't remember oh, that wait. i forgot the third brand doesn't exist yeah so whatever so he, he i guess it's maybe somebody for the title I, I don't know but yeah he so he he puts out the open challenge teasing that you know somebody's gonna make an appearance who's it gonna be some big star from nxt or somewhere else or from smackdown i don't know we'll, we'll find out later in the show but uh all the legends go to the back and uh they're gonna chill out while uh, Drew gets ready for his match. Um, then we had the rematch between Asuka and Selena Vega. Uh, if you didn't tune into our Clash of Champions show, um, the result that happened on Clash of Champions, Asuka beat the manager, Selena Vega, in the ring after settling for her for like the whole match. And she made her tap out clean in the middle of the ring. So there's no question of who the better woman is. And Zelina just attacked her after the match. And that gives us a rematch for Monday Night Raw. I feel like we've seen this before. Hmm. Yeah, Yeah, we saw it the night before. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, Kayla's interviewing Zelina before they go out. She like blatantly to her face calls her a poor sport for attacking Asuka. She's going to prove to herself tonight that she's better than Asuka. She's ready for Asuka. Then Asuka comes up. I guess they're both like waiting by the entrance to go out. So they're standing there. So I guess they are actually waiting next to each other before they go out there. So Oscar goes up. They had to like a official step in to break them apart, even though they're, they're like literally about to go wrestle. So we go to break, come back. Selena's just in the ring. She doesn't even get an entrance. And then Oscar comes out. Uh, basically had the same match they had the night before. It was fine. Um, Selena goes for a moonsault. Oscar got the knees up, applies the Oscar lock, and gets the win. And she held on to her for a couple of extra seconds. Um, after the ref rang the bell, just to cinch it in a little bit more, and that's it. So, Oscar wins the rematch. Big surprise. Uh, yeah, I feel like we've seen this before. Yeah, it, it was just it, it was literally to have a title match on Raw and nothing more, which is just silly. But so then after that, we go to commercial break. We come back, and Andrade is in the ring, and he's like, just like we come back from the break, and he's immediately talking. He's yelling at Zelina. Uh, as, as, if you know, like the reason that the whole reason they have Selena there is she, she speaks good English. Andrade does not, uh, they're a good pair, but apparently they decide, well, like they always do, we're going to break up this great thing that we have and just ruin it. So, um, yeah, he's yelling at Selena, telling her she's nothing without him. He's the real champion here. He's the greatest wrestler in WWE. So he is, he issues an open challenge to which, uh, Keith Lee answers. So. They come out here, have like a three-minute match. It was fine. Keith Lee hit the, the spear bomb and got the win. So nothing much to it. It, it, it was whatever. 
Then in the back, we had a segment where MVP and Shelton were eating and catering at a table. Some dork comes up and sits down next to him who doesn't know them, doesn't say anything to him. He's just like is eating. That's a real socially weird thing to do. Yeah. Like doesn't even look at him, acknowledge him, say, hey, can I have a seat? Like he just like sits down, staring at his plate, and he's just eating. He's like very large guys in very nice suits. You're just going to sit down next to him on your phone with your mac and cheese and not even say anything? Yeah. Well, Bobby Lashley comes behind him and taps on the shoulder and says, hey, you're in my seat. And the dude like scoots over and still just sits at the table. He's like, you're still in my seat. And the guy gets up to walk away. And Bobby, in, if you couldn't make this any weirder, he says, are you taking my plate of food? And so the guy throws down the plate of food that he's already been eating. And while Bob, Bobby already has a full plate of his own food. And they all sit down and Bobby laughs and says, yeah, you guys want some of this? And MVP takes the guy's fork, which he had in his mouth, and starts scooping the food onto Lashley's plate and says, oh, yeah, this is great stuff. You, you like this? And I'm like, guys, Gross. can we be? You need some more tone deaf. Like, I, I know this is fake wrestling world, but we're living in a pandemic. And this random person just came to your table and sat down, and you're going to take his mouth fork that he's just, like had in his mouth and just like scoop food. It, just weird. Strange. Didn't make any sense, but whatever. Let's be honest, in pandemic or not, that's still gross. Yes, it is. So uh, after this, we get a replay of the whole Our Truth is Out a Shark segment. Obviously, Tazawa got eaten by a shark. Uh, RIP so, Tazawa. Yeah, for like two seconds. Uh, we then have Our Truth standing in the back when a ninja approaches him and he has a briefcase with him. Our Truth is like confused. The ninja gives him a note. It's in Japanese, but there's an English version paired with it. So he reads it out there. And it's basically Tazawa saying, if you're reading this, I've been eaten by a shark. And here's your here's your reward. Or he says, for the many battles we had, our truth, uh, I've given you a gift or something like that. And so the guy, the ninja opens the briefcase. He reaches in and it's Tazawa's black belt. He's marveling out at it and he's reminiscing over their battles and he's all sad when all of a sudden Tazawa crawls out from under a table, rolls him up and gets the pin. So he's celebrating with Charles Robinson, who also crawled up from under the table, by the way. And then the ninja who had the briefcase hits him with the briefcase and he pins him and then it's Drew Gulak. And he celebrates and then Archuk gets up, rolls him up and pins him. And then he celebrates. And I'm just like, all right. (laughs) Did you see that briefcase bounce off of Drew Gulak's head, though? That was glorious. It was great. (laughs) Uh, I did not see that, but yeah, just ridiculous. And and to to make it even weirder, like, like immediately after the segment's done, like there's not even like a, I mean, Gulak and Tazawa, they look at each other and they blame each other for it. And they, they run away and chase after our truth but like there's no like we'll get him later or like any kind of announcement they just put up a graphic so we're having a triple threat match for the 24 7 title and i was like okay so before the segment even happened tozawa was eaten by a shark so you booked this match like a month in advance or something assuming this guy would not be eaten by a shark and then didn't change it when he in fact was eaten by a shark like who knew this guy was back i don't know just weird it's dumb and there's no announcement of it either. Like it's not like any of them agreed to it. So, but later in the show, we're going to have a triple threat match with these guys. So it's whatever. For the 24 seven title. Uh, what? Yeah. 
they just basically had a triple threat right in front of us, and they're going to do it later again in the ring. So I just need something to fill three hours of television. It, it pretty much. And um, so after that, we had Rollins and Murphy in the back. Murphy's in his gear. Seth Rollins approaches him and hugs him. Murphy's like not having any of it. And Seth looks at him and says, hey, why are you in your gear? You don't have a match tonight. And so then I was like, well, then, yeah, why are you in your gear? It's strange if you don't have a match, whatever. So Seth says, since you don't have a match, go, go put that new suit on. I bought you. It's in the, it's over there. Go put that new suit on. And he, he looks down and Murphy was on his phone, like before Seth approached and he set it down on this crate. So Seth looks down, sees his phone. He picks up the phone, slips in his pocket and walks away. Uh, also Murphy came back later, totally not wearing a suit. So I guess he just, didn't like the suit or just decided not to put it on. I don't know. Yeah. Just weird. So then we had King's court with Jerry Lawler. Uh, another person of why I don't understand why they're on the show. Obviously he's, he almost died of a heart attack on live television and uh, he's here for King's court for some reason. So he's with the Mysterio family. Uh, we've got Ray Dominic, his wife and his daughter, uh, Alea, is that her name? And uh, so King asks, you know, he talks about, you know, Seth Rollins being evil, all this. And, you know, they're, they're tired of it. And uh, they, uh, they're they just talking basically about the whole thing and talking about how last week Seth, you know, accused Ray of not being the real father of, you know, his son or his daughter. And Ray just basically says he's tired of it. And then Dominic says, he's like, next time, he's like, I'm tired of this. Next time I see Seth Rollins, I'm going to you know, finish this or something like that. Like he made an emphatic statement. Like I see this guy again, I'm going to kill him. So, you know, Jerry Lawler says, well, it's true. He didn't have any evidence of this. So we don't know for sure. But uh, one thing that did happen, um, we saw, you know, Murphy, he, he's talked about Murphy and Alea, but then, you know, talked about how Ray called her naive and didn't know anything about the business last week. And she stormed off upset. And so, uh, they pretty much, you know, go to address that. Um, basically, uh, Alea admitted to being upset and acknowledged how young she was, but uh, she she didn't know what to think about Murphy. But she does question who associates themselves with Seth Rollins. Um, so then, all of a sudden, Seth Rollins appeared on the screen, and he says somebody in the Mysterio family isn't being completely honest. To which then he pulls up a screenshot from Murphy's phone of where they are talking to each other. Uh, it's a tech, it's an exchange between Alea and Murphy. Uh, basically Murphy apologizing last week to which Alea, you know, thanks him politely and then wishes him a happy birthday. And I thought this was pretty innocent. I mean, it's still weird that like a 20 something, almost 30 year old man's talking to a 19 year old girl, but whatever. She's old enough, I guess. And, uh, Ray's upset. Like Dominic's upset. Alea, she's, she, she like admits she's like, you know, she, she knows she's, caught in a lie or something. So she gets him and says like, Murphy's not like Seth. He's not like Seth. So she storms off and they chase after her. So uh, we're in the back. Murphy's pissed off. He, he approaches Seth. He's like, dude, what's going on? Why, why, why would you do that? Seth is just laughing. Murphy's about to fight him. And all of a sudden Dominic runs up and just starts beating the crap out of Murphy. Yeah. Like, this whole segment, man. This whole segment. So why is Ray Mysterio even bringing his family to work? I don't like, know. Leaf, they don't work there, man. 
they don't work there. Like they've been attacked every time you brought them in. Like you already brought Dominic into it, and he's wrestling now. That's great, but like you want you really want your wife and your daughter to be in jeopardy now? Yeah, like, Buddy Murphy's you... thirty-two, by the way. I looked it up. Also, funny thing, if you search Buddy Murphy age on Google, the second result is is Buddy Murphy and Kurt Hawkins the same person? <laughs> <laughs> Great job, Google. Yeah. Uh, yeah so th- the fact that there's even his family there doesn't make any sense. It's, I mean, let's be honest. Aaliyah or Leia, whatever her name is, is nineteen. It's perfectly legal for her to be talking to buddy murphy whatever they're both adults they can make their own decisions right Mm -hmm. and if this show is getting aimed towards children or or teenagers the storyline of your family not wanting you to be in relationship with this bad boy the romeo juliet whatever i guess for a young person it would be relatable however i think it's stupid because it's a dumb storyline. It's a very soap opera-esque, which, you know, let's be honest, wrestling sometimes is, uh, kind of story. And I don't like it. I think Buddy Murphy is above this. I think Seth Rollins is above this. Not only that, Ray Freakin' Mysterio is above this kind of storyline, man. I don't know. It's is dumb. He, he did should the Dominic be. versus Eddie with the papers, so I don't know. But Yeah, he should be. I mean, there's been some <laughs> yeah. some questionable decisions throughout his tenure with his family. But well, what's also like weird is so I listen, I get that, you know, if a thirty year old man was trying to hit on my nineteen year old sister, I'd kind of be upset about it too. But honestly, like he wasn't a complete like uh, he was he just apologized to her in the text message. It's not like he was like I apologize and I'll see you later. Winky face, like eggplant emoji, peach emoji. Like it wasn't like too over the line. Like he apologized to her. She said, happy birthday, like a little flirty. And I understand that like he's associated with Seth. So Dominic doesn't like him. And I mean, like at first I was completely questioning Dominic. I'm like, you look just like the jerk. But then I was like, well, I mean, if you think he's a bad guy and think he's a horrible person, you helped injure your father's eye, try to injure your eye. Okay, I get why you're mad at him and you don't want your sister associated with him. But like he just completely ignores Seth, who's the one like going into this guy's phone and like he's clearly not happy with him either. And he just said he's gonna kill Seth next time he sees him, but like he just wants to beat up Murphy. So Seth just like runs away here and doesn't get any abuse. But uh it, yeah, a little strange, but it's it's whatever. It's setting up uh a match later in the night. Dominic Mysterio versus Murphy. So, yeah, it's it, it was a little strange, but yeah, it, it happened. So, um, yeah, yeah. So that, that match got announced after the break, um, and then after this, we had a pretty nothing match. We had the debuting Mandy Rose and <laughs> Dana Brooke, who is now on Raw too. I guess. I mean, we got an announcement that Mandy was just randomly sent over, but I guess Dana is too. And also Drew Gulak was there. He's on SmackDown. So that's also weird, but whatever. So yeah, now Dana and Mandy are on Raw. Uh, Natalia and Lana cut a promo in the ring saying they deserve the tag belts. And I guess they're throwing together tag teams now because Iconics aren't there anymore. It's, yeah, dumb. But so they had a match. Mandy and Dana won their match. It wasn't any good. So, and then Aleister Black cut a promo on Kevin Owens, basically blaming him for... Alistair losing his eye because Kevin Owens was at his, at home with his family and didn't help Alistair. So 
another kind of baffling story. So they're going to have a match. This is this is the example I was talking about, by the way, on Kenny and uh, Hangman on AEW. They're going to have a match eventually. They were a tag team. They were friends before, and now they're going to have a feud. But you know what? They're not wrestling every week. They're building it up. They're they're you know Kenny Omega's on commentary like passive aggressively like or sarcastically uh you know saying good things about hangman and passive aggressively doing like digs on, on him on commentary and watching his matches and kind of playing the heel and they're they're building to something it's a slow build uh this is twice these two have wrestled already and we're going to build to a big match that they're both going to have at some point and i'm just like who cares and i know what you're thinking well did this match have a final result no it didn't and it might have, it's actually probably worse off for it because they're having a match. It's, you know, a decent match. Also, Alistair Black has new music that's obviously not as good as his original, but they're having a match. And Alistair is like incensed the whole time. And at one point, makes a, you know, goes after the referee because he's kind of getting in the way. He's telling him, hey, quit beating this dude up so much. And Alistair gets angry. So he gets into it with the ref. They have a shouting match. So Alistair goes back to beating up Kevin Owens. Uh, Kevin Owens fires back at him. The referee, like, basically gets next to the guy's shoulder, like right in the guy's face as he's punching somebody. The dude rears back and elbows the referee in the stomach. It resumes beating up Kevin Owens and the referee calls for the bell. And uh, Alistair turns around. He's like, like what? Like he literally says, what the hell? Like he mouths. He's like, what, what is going on? And the referee's like, you elbowed me. And he's like, it was an accident. And the referee's like, oh, no, he did it on purpose. He's disqualified. So Kevin Owens wins via disqualification. And just to make this even worse, Alistair, the heel who, you know, was laying in on Kevin Owens, he's mad at the referee, turns around and gets a stunner by Kevin Owens, and he's laid in the middle of the ring, knocked out. So just stupid. It's dumb. Alistair Black's ruined. I hate it. Can we – man, that music – it's Alistair Black, blah, 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 crazy wrestling music. It's so bad, man. Dude, them getting rid of the CFOs is the worst thing. Like, they've made some of the most iconic theme music in the, in the like, recent WWE era, and now all the music, it's horrible. Yeah, it's, it's a real bad decision. Yeah, but it's WWE, so who cares? They don't care. They're making a bunch of money, so. Uh, after this was over, we had the... Her, her business walking backstage when Mustafa Ali emerged from their locker room, which clearly has their sign on the door. So uh, not surprisingly, they ask, what are you doing, dude? And he's like, oh, I got lost. And I was like, there's a sign on the door. So they are mad at him. He says, oh, I lost. So they shoved him. And Ricochet and Apollo come out of nowhere. They're like, oh, we'll show you. We'll show you, bullies. And they, they set up a match later. So just... They don't think at all. It's like their brains are turned off. Like, it's just so stupid. So, speaking of stupid, we get a four-minute match, triple threat match between R-Truth, Gulak, and Tozawa. Basically, Gulak and Tozawa team up on R-Truth. Then they hate each other, start beating each other up, and then R-Truth pins both of them, and he wins. So, that's that. Uh, We also got a... Oh, uh, sorry. I, I was looking ahead in my notes. We had a, um, this is Mysterio, uh, Dominic Mysterio versus Murphy segment. Um, it was a decent match. It, it went back and forth. Um, basically it ended when Alea came out 
And uh, it's what Dominic grabbed a kendo stick and was going to attack Murphy with it, which I thought, you know, was going to be a DQ. But he, he grabs a kendo stick. He's going to attack uh, Murphy. Alea runs out and says, he's different. Don't do it. Dominic's saying, get out of here. When all of a sudden Murphy comes up, rolls him up from the distraction and pins him. And so then Murphy runs away, but Dominic chases him anyway. He gets a few shots in and he runs off. So like, it's whatever. Alea stops Dominic and says, what are you doing? I told you he's different. And Dominic says, you know what? Dad was right. You are naive. And so she slaps him in the face. Could have been a better slap, but whatever. She slaps him in the face and she walks off. She's mad. So now we have the Rey Mysterio family. If we couldn't break up, like, it's like Vince has to break up all the tag teams, all the managers and the wrestlers that work very well together. And he's also got to break up families. Like, I don't get it. Yep. It's it's dumb. So they're building towards that, I guess. So um, Did you even mention anything about Ray not being Aaliyah's father this week? Yeah, I mean, King just talked about like there's no evidence, so we don't even know if he's telling the truth. He's probably not telling the truth. <laughs> so that's basically all they said about it in that segment. Uh, it was more focused on the family dissension. So it's whatever. So Seth Rollins is successfully telling this family apart because they're written as idiots. Um. So yeah. Anyway, Adam Pierce is in the back, and Dolph Ziggler tells him that he has a perfect guy for McIntyre's open challenge. Pierce told him that he wasn't eligible because he's faced McIntyre before. Ziggler says it's not him. So they discuss it in his office. And then the Hurt Business come out and cut a promo on Cruz. And then we get the six-man tag between all of them. Uh, they also note that Cedric Alexander, <clears throat> excuse me, Cedric Alexander is not there this week because he lost last week. He's been sent to, he called it like Hurt Business Boot Camp or something. What? Yeah. So Cedric is out because of the whole COVID thing. Like he, I think he came in contact with somebody. So he's being held out and business boot camp. If the entire hurt business is there. And then I'm pretty sure the rest of them have lost before too. And they haven't had to go to boot camp. I, I don't know. It's dumb. They're just making something up. So why not just say he was injured in his last match or to say like he's taking, he's off taking care of some other business. Like, Hey, like it's easy to yeah. say that. Bobby Lashley and Sean Benjamin, they're, they're the brawn of this team, but me and Cedric were the brains and Cedric's off taking care of some other business deals or something. Like it's easy. Like that, that, that literally I grabbed that out of the air and that's way better than what they said. So anyway, we had this match, it, 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 whatever. Uh, Mustafa Ali, but basically they, the other team, uh, Apollo and Rick Shea were able to take away Shelton and, uh, Lashley, which left Ali to MVP, hits the 450 on him, and they get the win. So, yeah, uh, they they win the match. So we'll see what happens with this. This is actually the win, first win they got. I was actually surprised they got the win, but it's whatever. And then we have oh, I forgot to mention Flair, Big Show, Christian, and Shawn Michaels have been in the back all night. It's really been a reoccurring segment. Uh, just like you know, a quick two seconds checking in on them. They're just back in the back playing cards, not even having like a. Like they talked about Ric Flair not not getting everybody drunk before the main event, so Drew can go have fun with them. But they're just playing cards. Like they might as well be playing like badminton or what's that shuffleboard? Like it's just, just all sitting in a room playing cards for three hours. It's like they have nothing better to do. Uh, so that's what's going on. Um, 
Also, so the one good thing I could say that happened on the show was they had another video package for Bianca Belair. These have been great. And this one, she's going up against some people in like a 40 meter dash. So she's like in her running gear. She's got these like slick Adidas, you know, running shoes on. She's like smoking these dudes and this, this woman in a race. And uh, she like dwindles them down each. She keeps shorting in the length for them. Uh, she gives him a head start. She's just like smoking him every time. And then the final one, she's racing one, it's down to one guy who's actually trying still. And she's like, you know, I'll make it a little bit easier for you. She puts up hurdles and she's running and like, like full on doing the hurdles as she's running, like legit. It's not like gimmicked. Like they pan back a shot and she's hurdling while she's running against this dude. And she smokes him like just an awesome segment and just she's, like putting her over. Actually a track athlete, I believe in real life. Oh yeah. And it showed here. <laughs> like She's like, just like she was, and I don't mean this disrespectfully. She was wearing like, you know, little to nothing, just like gym clothes, like, you know, mm-hmm. and like her, like, like her calves and like her legs were just giant. Like she just looked like a, like an athletic freak. Like I'm totally okay with them making Bianca Belair the next Mr. Perfect. Basically what this was. And they were fantastic. Like they're yeah. awesome. I'm okay uh, with them doing these for a few weeks, building up a story against Asuka. And I would be fine with her taking the belt off of Asuka, even. Yeah. She's, she's great. I'd be fine with it, too. And she's she's been killing people on main events, supposedly, but uh, I don't know why she hasn't been doing it on Raw. You like, talk about NXT being a third brand. Oof. Main yeah. events, like, it's not even on the radar. I didn't know it was still on until, like, I started seeing that she was on there, because, like, that's kind of the thing is people have been talking about why she's on there and not on raw, but I, I didn't even know it existed until she was on there. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, she's making main, main events somewhat relevant again. So she's got something going on. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, that was probably the only really good thing on raw. Um, but, uh, we, then we had the main event. as we said, Drew McIntyre had an open challenge that he issued for anybody he hasn't faced before for the title, I guess. So Dolph Ziggler comes out to introduce this person. And surprise, surprise, it's Bob Bobby Rude. Robert Bobby. Rude. Bobbert Rude. Uh, Robert's back. And you know, he came out to his theme song, which is also owned by CFO. Yeah, so, which, I mean, they had to do that. Like, Yeah, if they would have had him come back and it would have been like, glorious, and then just some creative wrestler thing, they'd be like, oh, Keith Lee again. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. So I, I say give it a couple weeks and his good theme song will be gone as well. Oh, God. Having some crap. Yeah, so it, it, I don't know. Like, Bob, I, listen, I like Bob Rude. He's awesome. But before he was out, I don't, I don't know if he was he out because of an injury. I can't even remember. It's been so long. He was initially out with a uh, failed drug test, I thought. Oh, I think he came back from that and was with Dolph for a while. But then they just like. Yeah, I, I don't know what he, been but he's, so long. he's been out for a long time. But before that, he was just like a nobody on SmackDown, I think. Or like, I, I can he, he was I can't fantastic remember. on NXT. Yeah. And talking about Drew McIntyre said that it had to be somebody he'd never faced before. They literally wrestled for the NXT title. I yeah. think that uh, Drew was the one that took it off of Robert Roode. Yeah, I think he was the other way around. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, but, but they, they had a big feud going on NXT. And, and that, like, when he came back to the when he debuted on the main roster, he was a big deal. But I mean, obviously Vince didn't really care about him. But this was like a, it was a disappointing re debut because or like a return, because before he left, he was a nobody. 
And so when he comes back, guess what? He's a nobody. Like I like him, but it was just underwhelming to say the least. I and, think he's uh, great. I think he's got a great entrance. He's got a great look. He's a good wrestler. Uh, I just think he's had the wrong, uh, wrong coaching or wrong storylines. Yeah, I mean, but it, it's not his fault. It's no. it's the writers, and I mean, it, but it was it was like they wanted him to get like the big return or something. Be like, oh, Bobby Roode's back, but like it just felt a little lackluster because you know, and nobody really believed he was going to come out and beat Drew anyway. Like if it had been somebody, you know, debuting from NXT, like somebody big or like a Finn Balor. So like, I don't know, but um, yeah, just, yeah, they had a good match. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't bad. They wrestled like, you know, to over 10 minutes. So, I mean, longest match on the show and it was a good match. Uh, but Bobby basically worked over Drew's knee the entire time. They kept pointing out that obviously this guy's still beat up from the match the night before. I mean, he got slammed through a ambulance window. So he, you know, was bleeding and stuff all over on pay-per-view. So, he didn't have an easy night before this, so uh, they played into that. Um, there was a point where uh, Bobby was able to hit the spinebuster and get a near fall on um, on Drew. He even put him in the figure four, almost made him tap out. Uh, he went for the claymore at one point uh, to Rude, but Ziggler jumped up on the apron and moved Bobby out of the way. So he took the claymore for the team. Uh, Drew turns around and gets hit with the glorious DDT. A very close near fall, and uh, Drew or um, Drew kicked out of it, and so Bobby picked him up, went for another one, but Drew was able to reverse it, hit the ropes, Claymore picked up the win here. I mean, it was a good match, but and I'm glad to see Bobby back, but I just have no faith they're going to do anything with the guy. And like I said before, he left. He was he was a nobody. Like they they didn't do anything with it. It's like if John Morrison got injured tomorrow. And yeah, he's great, but like they just brought him back as like a big surprise. And it's just like, we are not doing anything with him. So why should I have any faith in him? So uh, it's just a little disappointing for me, but it's a good match. So I can't fault him and maybe they'll do something bigger with him now that he's back, but I just don't have faith that they will. So to end the show, it wasn't actually the very end of the show. Um, we all know that McIntyre, he did this open challenge. He put the legends in the room in the back and told him to go party. He'll join them later. Well, they're they're still partying in the back. And then we have a guy walking up. I mean, this guy's like seven foot tall, so it's not any mystery of who this is, but he's wearing a jumpsuit. He's pushing like a janitor's cart. He's got his, his mask on, his hood over his head. He it's reveals himself. It's, it's retribution. Yeah. Or uh, Tazal's ninjas. Like they, they pretty much all look the same, but he unmasks and it's in fact, Randy Orton. And he's got like a chair attached to the the cart. So I was like, nobody questioned this masked man pushing a janitor's cart around the building all night with a chair attached to it. So uh, he takes a chair. He, he like saunters over to the door that's down this hallway. He kind of like looks left, looks right. And then all of a sudden now he takes out his pocket, some goggles. And you're like, huh? Uh, he slips the goggles on, opens the door real quick and runs in. Everybody sees him as he like walks and he's standing at the doorway. He turns the lights off in this tiny, tiny closet of a room. And you just hear a bunch of chairs hitting bodies. And there's no like, I mean, there's like a little bit of commotion, but it's just like banging noises. And all of a sudden you, the lights turn back on. Everything's destroyed. Everybody's dead. Randy Orton's standing there. And it's revealed that these were night vision goggles that he's wearing. 
It's just like really a regular regular splinter cell over here. Yeah, just just weird. Like there's four men, including a giant, and you're telling me you can't like swing and punch Randy Orton. He's got this chair. Like uh, whatever. I mean, I guess it could have been a little bit dumber. It was a little hokey, but like I guess not the worst thing in the world. But just strange. Uh, but it wasn't the dumbest thing of the night. It's true. So it, it happened, <laughs> but then Randy Orton, he, he saw, he, like I said, left everybody laying. He exits the room. He puts all his masks and stuff back on and like rolls the cart out of the hallway. And he's like, got his back turned. And as like, I don't know who's running up. Like if anybody was watching on TV and heard the, or in like saw the commotion, they know it's Randy who's did it. But if you just like, happen to hear the commotion, I guess like there's like a group of people like referees and officials run to go save them. Like, how do they know what happened? It was just weird. But anyway, Randy Orton like points, like he turns his back and points like, Oh, it's over there. Like the most innocent janitor, like telling where the damage is done. Like, I don't know. It's strange, but whatever. So Randy Orton got his revenge. Like I was hoping like the ambulance match was like such a blow off match. I mean, all the ghosts of his past came back, got their revenge. Drew McIntyre got his final revenge. Orton got sent to the ambulance or got sent to the hospital. It was like the perfect blow off match. And here they are again, just like, just, they can't get away from this. And I was just like, I, I don't want to see Randy Orton versus Drew again. I don't care. So I don't know. Just, I, I just don't really care about it anymore. So I'm sure Drew's going to come back next week and say, Randy, look what you did. Let's do this again. And uh, it's just dumb. So, but that's raw. It was not a great show. Uh, like I said, the best thing on the show was Bianca Belair segment. Not really great matches. Anything that was decent. It was really the main event and nothing else. Everything else, like you you knew what was going to happen. I guess the only surprise of the show was, you know, uh, the Hurt Business losing their match. But, like, it wasn't even done that well. So, I mean, the best I can give this is, like, a C-. minus. Because it wasn't like all out horrible, but just like not a lot of nonsensical stuff on it. Just wasn't great. Like, I mean, C minus at best. So, yeah. So, another bad Raw show. I'm just crossing my fingers that they actually do something well on SmackDown this week, but I don't have high hopes. So, yeah. It's been better lately. I mean, it's been better than Raw. But that's it's true. Yeah, Roman's heel Roman has done a lot for the show. So, and it did a lot. It did a lot for Night of Cha- or Class of Champions. So um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens, but yeah, raw not this great this that great this week. So, but that's our weekend review, everybody. No shocker there. <laughs> yeah, no shocker. Uh, AEW not the best show, but still a great show. Um, WWE not that great of a show. So, uh, thanks everybody again for tuning in to our show. Uh, if you didn't catch our uh, review of Clash of Champions, uh, go take a listen to it. Um, and if you did listen to it, you heard that. Apparently, Matt and Micah had a bet on what kind of rating I was going to give the show. And you're both wrong because they ended up giving it an A minus, which nobody was really expecting. Even I wasn't. No, but Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, But Matt was closest. So I, I made a deal with him since I'm in a better mood after my detox. Uh, I told him I, w- I would enforce this. So, Micah, you got to do the 30-second challenge. Okay. Uh, what are challenging today? I'm going to give you the challenge because Matt was also wrong. We're gonna we're gonna play a rib on him a little bit. I want you to give me thirty seconds. The what is Matt doing this week on his time off away from the show? 
because Lord knows he's always doing something zany. So give me 30 seconds of what Matt's doing in his off time. And uh, let me start the clock here for you and go. So Matt actually this week is slowly trying to acclimate himself into Daly's place. Uh, as you know, he's been going to Dynamite every week, and he's been uh, trying to, you know, schmooze with some of the security officers. He's bought an AEW shirt. He's got a little fake badge, and uh, he's actually tonight trying to get in for the show tomorrow. Uh, they they haven't announced tickets for tomorrow, so he is he's got his name tag, and he's going to try to make his way in. But I think tonight he's uh, trying to pregame, get into the dark shows and all that. Uh, maybe appear as a security guy, but uh, yeah, look out for him. He may be one of those guys rushing uh, John Moxley next week, so watch out for that. Okay. Yeah, I, I think he's uh, going to appear as an AEW staff member here for too long, so we'll see see how that goes. So he's, he can't get tickets anymore. So now he's he's got to get in every week. He's he's sneaking in. So yep. or maybe maybe he's he can get that janitor cart that Randy Orton doesn't isn't using anymore, and he can sneak in that way. Yeah, but the works for Randy, so he can get in. Yeah. Awesome. So uh, we'll, we'll tune in next week and we'll see if Matt is, was able to sneak into uh, AW Dynamite. But uh, thanks again, everybody, for tuning into the show. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening. And uh, yeah, check out our other shows. Um, and we'll be back next week uh, to catch you up on everything that's going on. We'll also have a SmackDown review that's coming uh, this Friday. You can follow us on social media at Russell Life Radio on Instagram and Facebook, on Twitter at Russell Life Pod. You can follow Matt on Twitter and Instagram at Russell Life Matt. And you can follow me on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. Micah's on social media from time to time on uh, the Russell Life page, but that's pretty much the only place you can catch him. But uh, are there any other plugs you want to give this week, Micah? No, not other than that great Photoshop you're going to make. Yeah, so keep an eye out for that because I've got the pictures ready. I don't care if you get any work done this week. (laughs) That has to be done. It has to be in my life. I think I'm I'm just going to make that the cover photo this week. For sure. (laughs) For the next year. Yeah. So thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. We'll catch you guys next week and uh, we'll see you then. See ya.